Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm your host, Ed Clemente, and welcome to the show today. We have Gina Thorson. She's the CEO and co-owner of Jaquart (laughs) Fabric Products, uh, also home of Stormy Cromer. I know I probably messed up a couple things in there, but you can correct me. Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And I think we should start out first, uh, even though Stormy Cromer is a pretty big brand name. Why don't you uh, start out just quickly what you overall the the company does beyond just that? Sure. Well, overall, uh, Jackwort Fabric Products is a sewing manufacturer that was started by my grandfather in the late 50s here in the Western UP. So we have a long history of uh, manufacturing all kinds of sewn products for all kinds of industries. Um, And, you know, in the last uh, 20 years is when Stormy Cromer became a part of what we do. Um, but we're really uh, just a very skilled um, sewn products manufacturer. And you were very gentle with saying Western UP, but you're located in Ironwood, correct? We are in Ironwood, the westernmost point in the um, in the state of Michigan. So on the border of Wisconsin and over here on Central Time also, which which trips some people up sometimes. Oh, yeah. I, I I used to do hearings up in Escanaba when I was an administrative law judge, and we would have people show up an hour late all the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and, and your iron wood, is that, um, I keep forgetting, is that where uh, Izzo's from? No, he's an iron, iron mountain. Yep. Iron mountain. That's the one that's further east of you, actually. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that big slant up in the UP because you're really kind of close to Minnesota too, right? Up there. Yeah, we're we're two hours from Minnesota, so um, you know that's where, as a kid, that's that's where we went for our back to school shopping and, and big shopping trips was actually Duluth, Minnesota. So it's it's a odd geography over here. Yeah, you know, and like Marquette, uh, Duluth is all of a sudden becoming kind of a hot spot for uh, people who want to live there now, which is surprising. Yeah. Very trendy kind of place to be. It's yeah, it's a great town. Yeah. So let's get back to your products a little bit. I I think why don't you just kind of give us a general uh, beyond the stormy Cromer part, but why don't you just tell us everything else you guys make and some of your history of the company and how you guys got there and you know how you purchased sure. it. Sure. Sure. I mean the the humble beginnings of Jackwort Fabric Products were very small sewn projects. My grandpa started sewing bank deposit bags in his basement when on the days that he was off from his day job as a fireman. So he he would be have a 24-hour shift at the fire hall and then he would be off for 24 hours. And and like most people in my family, we don't sit, we're not much for sitting around and being idle and so he started sewing and um, started off by making these zip top little bank deposit bags that had the name of the bank sort of foil stamped on the front. Um, he 
eventually moved into what had been his father's grocery store here in Ironwood and set up shop there. So moved out of the basement into there. Um, and, and a lot of what they did early on um, was just small projects. My dad joined his father um, in the early 70s. And my dad was really a, um, he's a maker at heart. Like he's a craftsman. He loves to make things. So he taught himself how to make boat covers. He taught himself how to upholster furniture. So it, the business started with a lot of small custom kind of work. And he was actually fitting a boat cover uh, across the border in uh, Bayfield, Wisconsin, has a very nice marina. A lot of affluent people are there in the summer. He was fitting a, um, a boat cover for a gentleman there. And he said, hey, you ever done any production work? And my dad said, well, no, but I feel like I could. Um, and so that was the actual, the first larger contract that we had as a company was for this gentleman. Um, he was a physical therapist from Florida and he had a, um, a catalog of physical therapy type supplies. And we made back pillows for them for probably 30 years um, out of that little incident um, with my dad. Um then for the next, you know, all those years, that was probably in 1980, uh, approximately. And um, between then and now, we've had big contracts making dog beds, gun cases. Um, we currently make covers for Boss Snowplow. So for one of their products needs a vinyl cover, we make those. We've done a lot of medical products. We um, currently make the awning for a company called Rainbow Play System. So if you think about the cedar swing sets in people's backyards and they've got a little oh, yeah. red, yellow, and blue top. We make the tops for them. Um, so we've got, we make a tent for a company um, that is for winter camping. So it's, that's sold under their brand name, but we manufacture for them. So we've just, we've had this, um, my dad had always led the company with this thought process that if it is a sewn product, we can figure out how to make it. So he never limited himself by industry or anything like that. He just jumped on whatever opportunity and particularly trying to look for those things that like didn't make sense to be imported. So like large covers for Boss Snowplow, the freight on moving those things around is crazy. So like making those here makes sense. Dog beds was really like high skew count. And so there were so many, we offered for the company we made them for, we offered so many colors and sizes. And that's just, you know, Overseas tends to be more like high volume, lower skews versus, you know, us doing lower volume with many skews. So we've been able to find these niches that make sense to keep sewing in America. And and I mean, just so you know, my family owned a bar. So we use those blue bags or whatever color you made them. for sure. the bags. Yeah, because we used to have to drop off deposits all the time in those <laughs> bags because they had a lock on them, too, sometimes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I was very familiar with those for a long time as working the late shift and going to the bank drop off. Um, so, and I think also your sewing also, is that unique or is that sort of like, there's not a lot of other companies probably around you that do this even, are there? Uh, around here? No, not currently. Although like when I was growing, when I was a kid here and, you know, earlier parts of the business, there were a number of sewing uh, factories sort of in the region. In fact, we have two main buildings here on our campus. And one of them, when we purchased it, purchased it from a company that was a sewing factory. So it was kind of already set up to be a sewing factory, which is interesting, but it's certainly 
you know, uh, most sewing went overseas in the eighties um, and in the, to the early nineties. And so it's, it is definitely somewhat unique. It's, you know, we have to train people to do it. It's not something that really we get workers showing up, knowing how to do industrial sewing. So it's, um, you know, that's a challenge, but, but across the country there, there are still um, people doing this work and doing it well. And in fact, we're even partnering with, with other folks to help increase our capacity. So there's a small network of us, but we, we, we definitely still exist as a part of the manufacturing landscape. And and I don't know if this is something that affected you, but during COVID, I mean, I seen tents everywhere and you see all these now tents being opened up outside restaurants and did that affect you? I mean, did you guys get into that business too a little bit or no? We got into the mask and gown business, um, at the, and in 2020, um, and we were, uh, we did it really, really quickly. Um, we were shut down for a day or two before we had retooled and had a big order for, uh, face coverings to start with. And then, um, eventually got an, a really large order for, um, fabric gowns as well. So that helped us, um, stay open, keep our folks employed. Um, most of our employees wanted to keep coming to work. They didn't, they didn't want to sit home. And so that was, that helped us do all those things. It was, it was really a lifeline until we could, um, get back on track with our normal manufacturing. Well, there's also something to be said about the good work ethic among youpers anyway. They, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I know a lot of friends. Up, I used to have property up there myself, and I used to work with a lot of friends up there. And by the way, one of our folks that recommended you highly, too, is Marty Fatanti, a former guest of ours, too, as well with InvestUP. Sure. Um, but so you're let's now let's tell a little bit of the story of Stormy, Stormy Cromer, too. Sure. So Stormy Cromer has a very long and rich history. It was it dates back to um 1903. Um, and it was started by a gentleman whose name was Stormy Cromer. Stormy was his <laughs> nickname because he had apparently a very bad temper. So his name was George Stormy. Um, and he lived near Green Bay, Wisconsin. So that's where it originated. And he uh, was a semi-pro baseball player. The, apparently everything we've heard, he loved baseball. Um, but he met a woman and fell in love with her. And when he asked her father, if he could uh, marry his daughter, he said, not until you get a real job. Uh, so that's when George um, found some work on the railroad. So that was his day job uh, for the rest of his career. Um, but he the legend is that he lost one too many hats on the train and came home one night to his lovely wife, Ida, and had an old one of his old baseball caps. So old wool baseball cap. And he asked her to make some modifications to keep it on his head and keep his ears warm. So she added that ear band that we have that ties in the front and uh, sort of the rest, the rest was history. Uh, they eventually moved their factory to Milwaukee and, and it was there uh, for a long, you know, uh, almost a hundred years. And um, when I grew up, uh, it was a thing here, you know, old, mostly, mostly older men wore, wore their black <laughs> Cromer caps but uh, actually, it was a trend for, for us when we were in middle school to wear it on the ski hills. This is, you know, pre-helmets on, on ski hills, and we would <laughs> wear, wear black chromer caps. And um, so the, uh, there was a local store here in Ironwood that sold the hats, and he called to Milwaukee to place an order, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, we're not making those anymore. Wow. And so 
this gentleman knew my dad and he just came right in here and said, they're not going to make Cromer caps anymore and you should do something about it. And um, a month later, my dad had been down to Milwaukee and with a handshake, uh, he agreed to not even buy the whole company, just buy the ability to make this hat and call it a Stormy Cromer. Um, and that was in 2001. And so the rest has been, so when, when Stormy Kermer came to our company, it was a single hat and, um, we've just obviously expanded the line greatly, um, to a very, very wide assortment of hats, but also apparel and accessories and pet products and kids products and all sorts of things. Um, and it's been an interesting transition for us because we've had to go from a strictly a manufacturer to also being the owner of a brand and marketing it and selling and having a sales force and all sorts of things that we didn't do as a contract manufacturer. Because you were kind of more B2B, right, before? Correct. And now you're yes. retail too. So Yes, yes. Oh, wow. That's a big, that's a big transfer too. And I know you went to one of the more famous universities in Wisconsin. Did you get a business degree or did you just know you were going to go into the business? You went to Stevens Point, I should mention. Yes. I went to UW Stevens Point. I actually had zero intention of ever being in the family business when I graduated from high school. And my degree is in arts administration. And I, and I have a master's degree also in arts administration. And I, I moved to Texas and uh, with my husband at the time, and uh, well, he's still my husband, sorry, but we moved <laughs> down there. Um, and uh, I worked in the nonprofit arts world um, and had a successful career um, being in management of um, some some really growing nonprofits uh, for about 11 years. And then, you know, the call of the UP and um, the family business eventually called us back. So I've been back um, with the business since 2009. Wow. So, and um, which other families? I know there's a couple of family members work there still too, right? Yeah. So, so um, my, and my dad and I recently uh, went through a transition. So he's sort of our, our chairman now, and I am the CEO. My sister is involved in the business. She is our director of purchasing. Uh, my uncle is the director of operations. Um, and over the years, there's been a number of, you know, second cousins and all kinds of, you know, different relations who have worked here in the business. Well, when I mentioned my family business was an Italian restaurant, bar, bowling yeah. alley, all the family worked there. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's good and bad to work with family. <laughs> it's uh, it's but usually it's good in the long run. It's it's still it you get on each other's nerves like you would any other person you work with. But uh, it's fun. no, yeah, there's that. But you also know that they ultimately always have your back, you know, and that there's a trust level that's always there, um, and. Yeah, it's it's you know sometimes you have to navigate like some boundaries and like okay it's Thanksgiving we're not we're not going there today like let's just you know this is a family day not a business day um, but we navigate it pretty well I think. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. So, and with holiday seasons, like what are your big sellers? I bet you those during COVID, you had to sell a ton of those pet, those bed pets or whatever you call them, blankets. I don't know what they are. Yeah. Well, our, our, our actually our most popular pet product is actually a hat that we make for your, for your dogs <laughs> and your cats. Um, really? So that's, yeah. Um, we call it the critter cromer. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, a lot of fun and people have fun with that. But I mean, throughout our busy season, 
it, it really is the original Stormy Cromer cap is the thing. It is the, our number one seller all year long. Um, and it, it has, you know, we keep coming out with new colors and new reasons to get people to, to uh, add something to their collection. But um, at the end of the day, it's still something that people want that classic, the original, and we're still growing, you know, we're, we're obviously well known in Michigan and the upper Midwest, but the further you get away from here, the less well we known we are. And so people are always discovering us and they sort of start there, right? They start at the core. They start at the reason the company exists. So it's nice that you have that sort of diversified platform of still being B2B as well as retail. So you they kind of complement each other, I would guess, at different seasons, right? They do. Like, for instance, the um, the playground uh, equipment product that we make, the little awning for the playground equipment, that's obviously much more of a spring-summer. You know, people start to, you know, get their backyards ready in, in early spring and they're like, oh, I need a new swing set or I need a replacement cover. And so... Obviously, Stormy Cromer is a much more fall and winter brand, so it does help um, with that balance. And and then even with Stormy Cromer, there's that part of the business is both B two B because we sell to retailers, right? So we sell wholesale to, you know, we have like 200 retailers just in the state of Michigan alone that um, sell our products. So we're selling to them, and then yes, we're also selling you know through our website, and we have a store here on site at the factory as well. I should also plug that we have a wonderful factory tour um, that is most days given by my dad, which is his favorite like semi-retirement thing to do. Um, But we love to invite people here to really see what it what sewing in America and like actual sewing production looks like because I think a lot of people, you know, they. I, I've given a tour once and someone was like, oh, I just kind of assumed you just put fabric into a big hat, <laughs> you know, a big machine and a hat comes out the other end. Right. And, and, and no, it's it's these mostly women sitting at sewing machines doing doing assembly line and cranking out hats for us. Um, so it's we love welcoming people in to see that. Yeah. And count me in. I'm going to try to get up there. Sounds though. great. Yeah. And so. I didn't even ask, but I, I don't even know how many employees you have. Uh, so we have just a, just around a hundred. That's pretty good, though. Still, it's like yeah. a lot for that area. You might be very, yeah, because it's not a big city, right? There's about five thousand people in Ironwood, maybe twelve thousand people in the county. So yeah, it's a it's a small <laughs> area. Um, it's tough. And you're right on the river because across yep. the river is uh, Wisconsin, right? Yep. Hurley, Wisconsin is right across the board. And I'd say, you know, a good, good percentage of our employees live in Wisconsin. So it's, you know, for us, we deal with the border like every day. So it's not a, we don't even really think about it. Right. It's all, it's like one big community here. Yeah. 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 I live close to Ohio. It's the same way. Okay. Yeah. Um, The, so is there any like future, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but is there any other kind of future trends you think for your industry or things you guys might want to be doing in the future? You know, I think um, maybe it's just the kind of person I am, but I'm always, I'm always, you know, seeing those challenges that are up ahead that we're going to have to, you know, negotiate. And, uh, you know, manufacturing apparel in America is a tough business, right? It's, it's. A, I, I'm going to guess that most of what you might be wearing is not made in America, and you know, it's, it's, and there's, there's a reason for that. It's, it's, uh, it is, it's tough. Um, 
so with with changes in inflation and the supply chain and and just the way the world is changing, you know, we're we're constantly thinking about how do we overcome those challenges and and keep doing what we're doing and and providing um, the value to our customers that's going to help them to understand why they're going to spend thirty percent more for a, a coat than they would at something they can get at a big box store that's you know um, been imported in like gigantic quantities, right? And so. We're um, we're really just continuing to think about where we can innovate, where we can find those products that make sense to be made in America that people are going to be willing to pull out their credit card for and and make those purchases. And um, one of the things we say around here is that we trust our history. Well, we've been doing this since 1958 and we've changed a million times how we've done it since then. And we'll just keep doing that. Um, we'll obviously continue to um, expand the Stormy Kermer products that we offer. And um, one of the things we've been doing over the last several years is that actually Stormy Kromer as a percentage of our overall business has really grown. And that's been intentional where we've um, we have a lot less of that B2B contract work um, than we used to have. And, and that's mainly because with Stormy Kromer, we control our destiny. Um, and we had way too many other big uh, customers that we were doing contract work for give us a call and say, you know, we're, we're taking that sewing to Mexico. I'm really sorry, but, but you're losing this contract or, you know, this is going overseas because we have to save money and you can't beat our price, meet our prices. So with Stormy Cromer, we feel like that gives us as a company, the most uh, just ownership over our future. And we look forward to continuing to expand and introducing more people to our brand. Well, you know, I I just wish I I didn't have time to do a lot of research on you, but I love the story. And I used to be the president of a chamber of commerce. So I used to work with okay. a lot of small businesses in my area too. And I just sure. I love mom and pop stories anyway. So it you guys are a great story. Um, before I just two more questions. Sure. One one is um, and actually because you've had a really interesting path because you were in the arts world, um. What advice would you give your 17-year-old self again before you went to go discover Stevens Point Beer, Point Beer, uh, you went there? <laughs> what else, what other advice would you go back and give yourself today? So I was uh, one of those kids that was very focused and like, this is my path and I'm not deviating from it, right? And um, which was great, but I think you have to make room for the opportunities, you know, that come up that maybe weren't on your path. And there was a few things that I, like, I wish I would have uh, done a semester abroad um, in college. Like, that's one of my biggest regrets. And I was like, no, I'm doing this in four years. I'm, that'll cost me a semester. And, um, you know, so, th so things like that, that, that you look for opportunities that may have not been the way you've laid them out. And then I think the other big piece of advice, I had the opportunity um, to, to be able to uh, progress in my career pretty quickly, even when I was pretty young. And um, I, uh, I think young people sometimes are intimidated by, by people with seniority, which should absolutely be respected. But it doesn't mean that as a new face around the table that you don't have really valuable things to contribute and a, and a different perspective. So just having that confidence and ability to um, to put your ideas on the table, no matter who's who's sitting around it. Yeah, I think I was like in my mid thirties before I really had confidence. You know, even though I did right. a lot of stuff, it just right. it, all of a sudden something triggered, and I said, "Oh, that idea is a good idea." You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, "Oh, I belong at this table." This yeah. okay, great, sounds good. Yeah, no, I've had that experience. Um, 
your last question actually should, I don't know. You might not want to give away any secret spots, but uh, what is your favorite thing to do in Michigan or favorite spot you like to go? Oh, um, definitely. Well, I'd have to, there's two wonderful beaches on Lake Superior here. And so it's a little hard to pick, but I think I would pick Black River Harbor, which is um, north of Ironwood. It's just, it's like one of those places that I could just sit on that beach for hours. And uh, it's just so peaceful. It's so beautiful to hear those Lake Superior waves hitting the breakwater and um, just kind of see that expanse. Um, it just makes my heart happy every time I go there. So that that would have to be my place. You said two. Well, the other one is Little Girls Point, which is also north of Ironwood. It's a very different beach. Um, uh, so they're both really wonderful. And, and uh, but, but. If I had to pick one, I would say Black River Harbor. <laughs> That's all right. You don't, you can go to both still. You, you didn't have <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, they're both, they're both wonderful. Yeah, you didn't, this isn't, they're not listening right now. So they don't know <laughs> which one you pick. But um, yeah, no, but once again, I, I want to thank you again, uh, Gina Thurston with uh, Jack Quart, right? Or did I say yes. it wrong again? Yes. That's Fabric perfect. Products and Home of Stormy Cromer. Uh, you're the CEO and co-owner and Thank you very much. You're a real pleasure to talk to. You seem like a lot of fun and keep up the good work there and let let us know if the MDC can help you out in any way too. Sounds great, Ed. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking time to do this. Absolutely. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion. 